All right, you're in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading verse 21. Last week I talked about living the spirit-filled life. So we're going to we're going to take off on verse 21 now today and continue on. Ephesians 5:21 says this, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot, a wrinkle, or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are the members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So again, last week, we looked at the blessings of living the spirit-filled life. I believe that to be led and empowered by the Spirit, two things I talked about last week, in order to be led and empowered by the Spirit, we need to be led and empowered, should I say, to be able to do what we just read. How many married couples I have in here? I want you to all pray with me. Say, help us, Lord. Would you agree that after reading that passage, you need the Holy Spirit's help, whether you're a husband or a wife? Right? Amen? I know I do. I don't know about y'all. Let me just say for myself. You know, you know, whether you're married this morning or if you're not, I don't want you to check out on me. If you want to get married one day, plan on getting married. I want you, I believe that that is good for all of us to look at this passage. And because I believe that this is the Lord's mandate for marriage. This is the Lord's mandate for marriages. Now, before I go any further, let me, let me put a disclaimer. I'm not an expert on this subject. I don't have this down pat by any means, but truth is truth, right? And I'll say right out the gate, I, I got majorly convicted while I was studying this Friday. So I, I, I'll let you know, there's a few parts where it's just like, I'm even texting my wife like, ooh, I'm, I'm getting so convicted studying this, you know. And uh, she helped me out. She texted back and said, most of, the script, most of the messages I've been listening to lately, she said, I've been getting conviction. So, you know, but truth is true, right? I mean, my wife and I have been married 13 and a half years, um, and, and I'm thankful, and I've, we've learned a lot. We're still working. But again, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to y'all this morning. Amen? Amen, y'all. Help me out this morning. Paul's teaching on marriage is that Christian marriage is the most precious relationship in life, whose only peril is the relationship between Christ and the church. It's the most, let me start right, right there. It's the most precious relationship that we can have on this earth besides our relationship with Christ. If you're married, that should be the most valued, the most precious, the most intimate relationship you have is with your spouse, other than, of course, the Lord himself. You see, if we walk down the path God has for us and do what he says, we will experience the fullest life imaginable. These things are not always easy. Like, of course, reading this, it's not, it's not always easy to apply this to our lives. But Jesus says this, look in John 10, 10. I want to read it in the Amplified Version. It says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance 
to the full till it overflows. How many of y'all would not only like to have your life that way, but your marriage that way? Amen? That it would be full and, and, and joyful and in abundance till you're overflowing in your marriage, right? Well, he lays out a mandate in, in, in Ephesians. And of course, there's other things in marriage, but these, these principles right here that if we apply, that our life will be like that. This is true, should be doubly true in marriage because, like I said, we have companionship with one another and with the Lord. So let's take a closer look at the instruction that the Lord gives us through the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians 5. And again, I'm starting out in order here, so ladies, y'all don't throw nothing at me, okay? Number one, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Let's read verses 22 and 24 first. It says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, over the years, this passage has been misused. Sometimes the emphasis is entirely misplaced, and it's read in the essence of subordination of the wife to her husband. Matter of fact, I know, you know, when I, when I do weddings, a lot of times, and I always use Ephesians 5 as, as, as part of a, my wedding sermon, and I can tell, especially people that may be unchurched, when I start sharing the scripture, you can tell they got ladies looking at me like, what this boy talking about over here, you know? And I try to explain it a little bit. Well, I, I've, I've studied out more and hopefully can explain it a little more today. It, the, the, again, it's been, and then even in the church, the this, this scripture has been abused and misused, focusing again entirely, you know, on a subordination of a wife. But the basis of this passage is not control, but love. Amen? It's not control, but love. Paul says certain things about the love that a husband must show to his wife, which we'll look at in a few minutes. So what does submit to your husbands really mean? Well, here's one of the best definitions that I found as I, I begin to research this. Submitting to your husband means this. A wife submitting to her husband doesn't mean she's inferior to him, nor does it violate her Christian ethics. It means, listen to this, ladies. It means honoring her husband as protector and head of the home and respecting the responsibility of his position and his accountability to God. That's a good definition right there. It's honoring her husband as the protector and the head of the home and respecting his responsibility and position and his accountability to God. Basically what it's saying, it's willing to come underneath the leadership, the protection, and the provision of your husband. It doesn't mean whenever your husband says to jump, you say how high. That's not what Paul was talking about here. It's, it's you're, you're submitting yourself to the position that God has placed us in, 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 in the leadership position and as protector. And again, we'll, we'll break that down even a little more. See, so when a wife is submitting to her husband, according to what this, the, what the scripture is saying here, she's not only submitting to her husband, but she's also submitting to other things. She's submitting to God's will, right? Right? This is, uh, come on, y'all help me out here. I'm, I'm feeling a little resistance here already this morning. You know, it's, it's obviously clear that this was a command. This wasn't a suggestion, right? Where Paul was talking about this. Matter of fact, it was interesting. I'll take the time to say it was interesting as I begin to study this that, and, and this might clarify. I was talking to my wife about this. She said, you might, you might want to share that. And, and this might help out a little bit too, you know, because if you notice in first Corinthians, Paul talks about those that are single and those that are widows that they, it's better for them to stay single, right? You know, it says that in, in Corinthians. And, and so 
And then later in Ephesians, he's, he's really honing in on the marriage. Well, as I begin to look at this, see in 1 Corinthians, he was writing and he was believing that the, the imminent Lord of the return, he was waiting for Christ's return literally hour by hour. And he was saying, look, the Lord's coming back any minute. It, so it's better if you just stay single. Don't even focus on marriage. If you're already single or you're widow, don't get remarried. If you are, he talks about that. If you're married, great. But you, you got to realize something. And I just realized that in looking at this and studying this was that when he wrote Ephesians, it was like eight or nine years later. And he realized, okay, well, the Lord's obviously not coming back as soon as I thought. And so here in Ephesians, he starts really focusing on, okay, you know what? He thought the Lord would come back any hour. Years had passed and he realized, okay, we need to focus on and what the Lord was instructing him to do on how we should live a Christian marriage. And also it's interesting, the history, if you look at the history of who he was speaking to, he was speaking to Jews that if you read in Deuteronomy, was very easy to get a divorce. You could divorce your wife for pretty much any reason uh, in the Jewish culture back then. And in the Greek culture and the Roman culture where the degradation of the marriage and the society was very, very low, where they had concubines and they, they, they spent time with prostitutes and all that was the norm. So Paul's focusing and honing in on, hey, you know what? This is God's will for our lives. Amen. This is God's will for a church, for wives. You're not only submitting yourself to your husband because you know it's a command of the Lord. You are submitting to God's will. Look what it says in verse 22, Ephesians 5, 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. When we do anything, we should do it unto the Lord, right? Not just ladies, all of us. We should do it as unto the Lord. So when we're doing that, we know it's a command. And listen, you know, it, it kind of goes back to like what Pastor Todd says about tithing or giving offerings. A lot of y'all just gave your offering. And some people withhold their, their money because they, they think, well, what if that church misuses that money? We well, you know that's going to between, be between us and the Lord. You're right and you're standing, right? So ladies, if you submitting to your husband, it's like, well, what if, what if it don't go like plan? Or what if, you know, you know, well, listen, he's going to have to take that up with the Lord. You're going to be in right standing with him. The blessing is going to come your way by, by, by coming under his leadership and his direction, his protection and his provision. So not only are you submitting yourself to your husband, but to the Lord's will. And second, you're submitting yourself to God's order for the family. God's order for the family. Ephesians 5.23 says this. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now, again, ladies, let me clarify some. The word head here means authority, not being. Neither man nor woman is superior to the other in being. Men and women are equal in God's eyes. Would you agree with that? Men and women are equal. So he was saying to the authority, not to the being. He, we're equal in God's sight. There is a partnership and an order within the family. This is the basics for the family and society to exist. Think about it. Any, any society, let's think about any, any organization, for example, no matter what it is, can't survive or exist without the spirit of partnership and order, right? In any organization, any business, any church, there has to be order, right? Right? You can't just have, you know the old saying, you can't have a bunch of chiefs and no Indians, right? Because what happens? You know, everybody's trying to do their own thing. Everybody's going in their own direction. That's just the, the order that God has set up. When the Lord talks about husbands being the head of their wives, again, he's not talking about inability and worth and competence and value, value or our brilliance or advantage. He's talking about the function and the order of the marriage, right? 
You have to have a head of any organization, head of any country. He's talking about the order and the function. Again, not saying, wives, that you are any less or anything like that. He's talking about the order of the, the family and the marriage. Now, let's not forget the second part of that verse. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. See, Christ is the great protector and comforter of the church. So the husband is to be the protector and the comforter of his wife. In God's order of things, the husband is to be the main protector and the comforter for his wife. You know, uh, and we're going to look at that in a minute, you know, but I often share this uh, in, in, in when I'm, I'm doing weddings as well, about that this, if, if the husband's going to be the, the protector and the comforter and, 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 and be the road, take the road that he means, you know, a, a wife is going to want to submit to her husband. She's going to want to flow in that order. And this means to protect her physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So these two functions are the great two of, not, not extensive, but two of the great benefits which the wife receives by submitting to a loving husband who is faithful to the Lord. Which leads me to my next point. Okay, guys, it's our turn. Number two, husbands, love your wives. Don't just love them. Love them like Christ loves. Loves them like Christ loves, the way Christ loves the church. Ephesians 5.25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. See, the love which the husband is to have for the wife is the very love of Christ himself. It's the agape love that we've talked about a few times just in this series. Pastor Ty talked about it early on in the series. I talked about it again uh, just last week. It's the agape love. So let's let's really look at what it means whenever, you know, hopefully I clarified a little bit what submitting means for a wife. Let me clarify with that love because nowadays that word love is thrown around a lot in our society, right? It's man, it's easy to say, oh man, I, I love you, man. I, I love that team, man. I, I love pizza. I hope you don't love your wife the same way you love pizza or gumbo, right? I love gumbo. We had some last night, but I love my wife in a different way, in a more intense way than I do gumbo, right? And but even when it comes to relationship, that word love is is thrown around. Well, all we need is love, you know, and all we need is, you know, and that's true, but but what is agape love? What is specifically this kind of love? That Paul's talking about us as husbands, how we need to love our wives. Well, it's an unselfish love and a giving and sacrificial love. It's a love of the mind as well as a love of the heart. It is not only a love of affection and feelings, it's love of will and commitment. See, let me stop right there. It's a love of will and commitment. And this is just in general. Husbands, I'm talking about us and how we love our wives. But I often say this, and you probably know this as well. See, the divorce rate's over 50%. I heard a stat the other day that the average marriage lasts like eight years today. Eight years is the average that a marriage lasts in America. And with the divorce rate, over 50%. And why is that? I think one of the biggest reasons, because people get mixed up with what that word love is. And then they even try to throw in, you ever heard somebody, and I've heard it and, and you've seen it in movies and they portray it like, well, I still love you. I'm just not in love with you anymore, right? What they're saying is, is, is opposite of what this agape love in the marriage means. It means they're not willing to commit or work at their marriage anymore. When the Bible tells us husbands to love our wives, you're not only willing to love her with your heart and your affections, but you're willing to commit and work at your marriage at any cost necessary. 
by any means necessary, no matter how rough things get. And for both of us, for the wise as well, that work, that's what agape love is. It's unconditional. that We're going to work at this thing. Not when I just, as Gary Chapman says, when the, when the flutters or the tingles go away, right? Or when you begin to have children and, and, and life gets busier and, 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 and harder. See, it's a love, gentlemen, going back to us as husbands, it's a love that works for the highest good of the person being loved. Is that how we're loving our wives? I'm thinking of the highest good in my wife. That, that I, I'm going to love her and treat her to, to just for the highest good that, that I can uh, have for her. The second part of verse 25 says that he gave up his life for her. Now, again, going back to, because I use this scripture every every wedding I do. He laid down his life or gave up his life for her. I often tell the groom at weddings, I say, look, gentlemen, most of us as husbands, we would, you know, we would take a bullet for our wives. Somebody starts shooting here today. We would, we would cover our wives. We would jump in front of that gun and we would take a bullet. Right, gentlemen? Isn't that right? Come on, just say, say yeah. Why, if you sit next to your wife, that's the right answer right now. Okay. I'm going to help you out a little bit. But you know what? That's great, and we need to do that. That's part of being a protector, was which I was encouraging the wise that if we do that. But listen, guys, this means giving up our lives or laying down our lives for our wife daily, every day. It's a, you remember, it's a giving and a sacrificial love. Okay, this is where it starts hurting for me right here. This is where it starts. That's why I start getting slammed even as I was studying. Now as I'm preaching, I'm like, okay, Lord, help me. It's a giving love, a sacrificial love. And listen, going back to last week, that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in our natural body, our natural tendency is not to be selfless and just to give all the time. Am I right? You know, we, we have a tendency to like want to do what we want to do. And like, it's about me. Think about our society. You got YouTube, iPhones, you got, you know, all this stuff. They used to have something called MySpace. Everything's about me and mine and your, you know, that's, that's our natural tendency. We have a natural bent to be about us. But that's not the kingdom way. And that's, you know, Pastor Larry even says, that, hey, listen, you know, don't get married if you don't want to spend time with your spouse. Let me say this up further. Gentlemen, don't get married if you don't want to lay down your life for your wife. If you don't want, if you're not married in here, gentlemen, and you don't want to live a sacrificial life where you're giving up and thinking of the best desires and the best things you could do for your wife, I'm going to just encourage you, don't even get married. Because that's what marriage is, or that's what marriage is supposed to be. I kind of knew it'd be quiet in here today. That's all right, though. <laughs> Remember, guys, again, it's an unselfish giving and sacrificial Love. Look at Ephesians 5. Now let's look at Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his body actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. See, the love which the husband is to have for the wife is the very same love that he has for his own body. Now, the word feed doesn't mean just like to eat. And like most of us in Cajun, as you can tell, I like to feed my body, right? So like most of us do. But that word feed means this. It's not just eating physical food. It means to clothe, to nurture, to look after. Listen to this. I like this. It means to look after until the wife is mature in the marriage and then to continue to nourish her as long as life lasts. To clothe and nurture and help her 
along the way, help her to mature, whatever that may mean. You know, you might know, but brother, my, my wife's 40 years old. We know it. We're still to help our wives to mature in different areas. Maybe it's spiritually. Maybe it's in something that she's doing. Maybe it's just whatever. Listen, we're equal partners in life, right? Right? Amen? You know, I love how it says, um, you know, how the woman was taken from the rib of man. And I love that. That's a great picture. Because he was taken from the side of the man. Not from the head, which would signify, you know, superiority. And not from the foot, which would signify superiority. But he, he took the woman from the rib, from the side. One to meant to walk alongside the man. As a partner, Right? And so as partners, as men, though, again, because we're, we're, God's commanding our wives to submit to us. This is, this is the kind of way we should act for our wives. That, that, to, they'll want to submit to that kind of covering, which I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. But that's what it means to feed. Just like you feed and, and care and clothe your own body, that's how we should be to our wives. He says to feed and care. Now let's look at the word care. That word care means to hold dear within the heart, to treat with warmth, tenderness, Care, affection, and appreciation. That's what it means by, hey, you, you, you care for your body this way. That's how you should care for your wife. You know, there's a scripture that says, husbands, don't treat your wives harshly. You know, one of our tendencies as guys is, is, is to, to be a little harsh. Maybe when we get angry or, or when we get into a fight or we get into a disagreement. You know, but the, but the Bible tells us to be tender, loving, and caring, and affectionate. And listen, I like that, to appreciate our wives. Gentlemen, how many of y'all appreciate your wife, the wife that the Lord has blessed you with? I'm so thankful for my wife. And the truth is, again, I'm convicted. The sad thing is I don't always show it. Because, you know, the way I treat her sometimes and the way I talk to her sometimes doesn't always show her I appreciate her. I can tell her, baby, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. But I can treat her or say something harshly to her in the next hour. And everything I said about thank you goes out the window. Gentlemen, how many of y'all know I'm right? How many of y'all have experienced that, right? I get more amens when I'm talking about myself than when I'm talking about y'all. I noticed that. I just, just picked up on that, Brady. But think about it. What a difference it would be in marriages if the husbands just fed and cared for their wives as they do their own body. Not that you, you, you break down. I don't just mean to eat and to, to put on a shirt and a pair of jeans, but to nurture and to care for and to clothe and to comfort and to be there. Now, if I didn't step on our toes enough, gentlemen, I'm going to read a few verses in the message. And, and, and this, man, the message just brings it out even better. I feel like God's giving me an amen right now. Ephesians, he knows I need it this morning. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. Look at it in the message. It says this. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving and not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words invoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. Wow, isn't that a great explanation? Kind of look at that for a minute. Go all out for your love, for your wife, gentlemen. A love marked, again, by giving and not getting. Because, you know, guys, again, if we're honest, and I'm going to just shoot straight with y'all, because I've been guilty of this too. I've done enough pre-marriage counseling with younger men, older gentlemen. And a lot of times, as men, we have the mindset that, man, when I get married, I'm going to have somebody that's going to cook for me. 
I'm going to have somebody that's going to serve me and wash my clothes and do all this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm serious. A lot of men go into marriage thinking what they're going to get out of this thing. But that's not Christ's way. Again, it's supposed to be, you know, what, what are we going to give? Marked by giving and not getting. You know, again, gentlemen, how about trying to meet her needs, wants, and desires? Got a good amen there. <laughs> how about trying to meet her needs, her wants, and her desires? You know, and, and cause it goes back because the Bible says you reap what you sow. See, that's, the, that's what's messed up about going back to the submission thing. So many men have tried to force their wife to submit, submit with, a, with an iron fist. And, and, and that, that's like herding cats, you know, right? That don't work good. But if you love your wife like Christ loved the church, and you, you, you thinking about her needs and her wants and desires, I can almost promise you, maybe not 100% of the time, I can almost promise you your wife's going to start desiring to meet your needs, your desires. And when you're like, hey, baby, can you go run this errand or can you do this or can you do that? It'll be a lot more receptive and reciprocated back to you if you're treating your wife this way. Amen. Come on, all the men say, help us, Lord. His words invoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Man, isn't that so good? This one slammed me too. Our words should invoke our wives' beauty. Everything we do and say should bring the best out of her. Let me ask you a question, gentlemen. Are you bringing the best or the worst out of your wife? Wives, try hard not to look at him and answer that question, please. <laughs> Are we bringing the best or the worst out of our wives? But that's what he said. That's what Christ did for the church. And that's, he said, husbands, that's the same thing we should be doing for our wives is evoking, invoking their beauty and, and bringing the best out of them, helping to, to move them forward. Look at what it says in verse 23. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to the church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. Amen. Gentlemen, that's the way. Again, not by, not by, by force. And woman, you're going to submit to me. No, no, no. That's not the way. By cherishing them and loving them. Then, let me ask you a question. And then Paul makes it clear. We're going we're gonna to talk about that at the end. This is a parallel bef- between our relationship with Christ. So when you, the way you, we're treating our wives, when you're thinking about our wives, think about it. Did Christ force us into the kingdom? Did he make us? Did he, did, did he, did, did he rule with an iron fist? Was, is he a domineering Lord and Savior that made us come into the kingdom? No. What does the Bible say? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, right? So if the Lord doesn't treat us that way, Paul's making it clear we shouldn't treat our wives that way, right? Husbands, we should pride, cherish and prize our wives. Make her feel like a queen. You know, there's a, there's a brother sitting here in the church this morning and I asked his permission. I'm not going to say his name, but I asked his permission to use this. And I remember I, I taught something similar, uh, to, to the men one, one year for a men's encounter. And before it was that week I was preparing, I was just talking to him and he said that he had, he had written a note to his wife every night for three years. I could, I could hear all the, oh, you know, I could see it on, on the face like, Every night for three years. How many of y'all believe that that wife felt cherished and felt like a queen, right? Every night for three years. Matter of fact, I talked to the wife was right there when I asked him. She said, I got, I got them all. I got a stack. She said, you can read them if you want. How many of y'all know she's holding on to those letters? She's holding on to those letters, right? Matthew, J, Matthew L. Jacobson says this. The call of God on your life, gentlemen, to preach the gospel. Listen to this. This is a great quote. 
The call in our life is to preach the gospel with the power of your love for your wife, an expression to the world of how Jesus Christ loves his bride, the church. Wow, preach the gospel with the power of your love for your wife. Man, that is good, huh? Just imagine what would happen in most marriages if the husbands loved his wife like this. I know a couple of things would happen. One, the wife would melt in her husband's arms and she would be willing to accept his authority of the head of the family. Am I right, ladies? Think about it, gentlemen. I, and this is what I say. You know, if, if this is the kind of way, because again, I have a lot shorter time when I'm doing a, a wedding uh, sermon. And I always tell, you know, tell the, 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 the wife or the people there. And I always say, you know, if, if we submit to Christ, because we are called to submit to him as well, and we treat our wives like this, not only would our wives have no problem submitting to us, I believe they'd want to. I believe they'd want to. I think they'd, hey, sign me up. Where do I sign? If this is, if we truly love the way Christ loved the church, this is the way. But, but you know, it doesn't always happen that way, right? But we need to pray and ask for the Lord's help. Again, we need the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit to do this. I'm sure that brother, you know, that, that was a God idea. And I'm sure it took discipline to write a letter every single night for three years. You know, I'd be like recycling them things like, and like what I wrote two years ago, you know, to think of the words or how to, you know, like that had to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. Maybe not. Maybe he's just more, you know, poetic than I am or whatnot. But I, I bet you, you know, that's a God thing, right? But listen, husbands, I just want to encourage you. We need to pray that the Lord show us one, fill us with his love and then show us how to love our wives that way. Amen. And then the last thing I want to look at is for all of us, for both of us, for the husbands and the wives. Number three, continue to be united as one. Continue to be united as one. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 says this. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. That word united means to join fast together, to glue together, to cement together, to be joined in the closest union possible, to be bound together, to be totally united, that two become one. Glued to a cemented. You've seen something that is cemented together, right? You can't, you got to literally break it apart to the shatters. See, both husbands and wives must be willing to be submissive to God to bring such a union together in our lives. Remember the first verse that we read. I'm going to go back to the very first thing. It says Ephesians 5.21. That's why I'm saying it's not just the wives. It says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, right? So that's the basis of unity right there. Submit to one another and to Christ out of reverence for Christ. So he talks about that we need to, that when a man leaves his father and mother, the two shall become one. I remember somebody told me years ago, you know, uh, of course, and I'll look at that in a minute, you know, that the two become one physically and then, and then, you know, emotionally and spiritually and whatnot. But I believe as we continue to go on in marriage and as we continue, and I've seen it in my own life and to work at this, we continue to become one. There's like a stronger bond. Those of y'all that are married, would you agree with that? That there's, there's more of a oneness. It's like, you know, talking about glue. You know, you glue something together, it's stuck together, but it takes a while for that glue sometimes to actually bond, right? To where it's, it's inseparable. Some of them tell you to clamp it for five minutes. Others say clamp it for 24 hours. Some take longer than others to where it's a sealed bond that cannot be broken. So there are three unions in a marriage that really unites and join, that, that really joins together like God 
wants to join us together, as Jesus says in Matthew 19, 6. Again, number one is the physical union, enjoying each other and being united physically as married couples. The second thing is the mental and emotional union. And I think, again, guys, I'm not just trying to pick on us. I think this is where we miss it a lot. It's the mental and emotional. And, I, and, and it's, this is sharing each other's life and dreams and hopes and working together to realize those dreams and hopes. Let me ask for both of those. Do, do you know what your spouse's dreams are? Do you know what her greatest dreams are or his greatest dreams are? Do you know what her greatest hopes are? Do y'all dream together? Do you have these, these hopes burning in, 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 in your heart? You know, there's some things for my wife and I that we knew ministry-wise that we was doing, but there's just recently, my wife actually made this statement. She said, I want to start dreaming together. She said that, I want to start dreaming together. And man, when she said that, it's like, it's true. I got dreams, she got, but what, she got dreams. What about dreaming together? And just yesterday, just yesterday, I was out and about running some errands and she sent me a text of something that she saw online. And, and she said, you know, it's so cool whenever you got a hope or a dream and, and, and God just, you know, shows that it was something that somebody else was doing and, and, uh, and it just really stirred her up. And it was something I believe too that I, I want to do in the future. And I was like, wow. I was like, yes, let's dream together. That's been our kind of our little, our little mantra now about dreaming together and hoping together. But it's not only doing it, but it's working together to, accomplish those dreams right so I'm, I, again this is the mental and the emotional side is tapping into each other's emotions and and what we're feeling and what we're thinking not just having our own thing going and just kind of meeting at the table for dinner at night right and of course the last and most important thing which again it really it's last but it has to start at the top is being in unity spiritually a spiritual union that comes together. Of course, we know uh, it, it, Paul says in Corinthians not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. First and foremost, if you're not married, let me just stop again with the singles in here and just tell you, listen, you're never going to be united like you need to unless you marry someone that you're equally yoked. That's a born again Christian, just like you are. If you are a Christian, you got to be equally yoked. Again, like Pastor Dad says, don't, don't be, don't missionary date. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to marry him, then I'm going to lead him to the Lord. Well, that might happen. But I'm telling you, you don't want to start out on that foot, right? And it can happen. I don't know there's people sitting in this church that that's happened to, and it's a blessing. I know that. But listen, we want to be united. Be, be, uh, there has to be a spiritual union. Being united in your journey with the Lord together. Man, it's, it's, it's an adventure. It's an, it's a journey to walk with the Lord, right? It's a journey to serve the Lord and to be able to do this together as married couples. It means praying together and believing together. Just like we talked about hopes and dreams, and that could be hopes and dreams of the kingdom, or I could just be fun stuff you want to do. But man, there might be things that you truly believe in God for. Are you praying about those things on your own? Or are you grabbing your spouse's hand and praying with them and saying, Hey, honey. Hey, sweetie. Hey, baby. Why don't you pray with me? Believe with me. You know, and for us men, we need to take the lead in that area. And then that's, that's part of it. It's the, the, the leadership of, hey, let's pray together. Let's believe God for this together. It's also serving him together and what the Lord's called you to do, right? Like how many of y'all served with your wife a couple weekends ago or your husband had served that you went out as a family, as a couple and served together? 
Man, isn't that a blessing? You know, we was at Aldercon right here, and man, I had, you know, almost my whole family, my wife and my three little girls, and, and then my, my girls, by the way, they love that. They were telling my mom last night, they were over for dinner, and she was like, Grant, we was giving the drinks and this, that, and the other, man, they had a blast. But you know, I love it. I, my wife and I, of course, have been in ministry even before we got married together. We've gone on mission trips together. We done, listen, it's something about serving the Lord. Now, you might have a different, you know, gifting and, and a different, you know, wire different. Again, the growth track starts today if you're not sure what your gifting is, if you're not sure what your spiritual gift, your personality is, and you've never been through the growth track, I want to encourage you. I'll be back there with y'all. Man, come back and jump into the growth track and find out what that is. Come as a couple. Come together. We have childcare. We'll feed your kids. Come together. Go through even the journey of the growth track and find out how has God wired us individually and together. Because I find this. Let me just stop. I'm, I'm, this is not in my notes as you can probably tell. But let me just say this. Because when you're married, and I believe that it's God's will for who you're supposed to be married to, but I believe that I prayed and fasted that, okay, God, is this supposed to be my wife? This is who I'm supposed to marry. And even though me and Cassie have different gifts and, 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 and uh, callings or, or anointings and our giftings are different, they complement each other so good when we come together. They complement each other so well. And I believe that the Lord will do the same thing for you as well. There's an example of a couple in the Bible. It was so cool this week as I'm just in my daily time. I'm reading through the book of Acts again. You see the couple, it says that Paul met a man named Aquila and his wife Priscilla. We see in Acts 18 that there was a man named Apollos and he was preaching the gospel. And he said he was preaching it accurate, but both Aquila and Priscilla pulled him to the side and they begin to instruct him. Uh, in, in a more accurate way. And then we see in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, uh, at, at how Paul acknowledges this, this couple, this married couple at the end of one of his letters. 1 Corinthians 16 and 19, it says, the churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all others who have gathered in their home for church meetings. They were having church in their home together. Amen. Isn't that a powerful picture of a married couple serving the Lord together? Look, they were united. They were one. They were continuing to become one. They were, they, they knew what the Lord wanted them to do. And man, they were doing it together. I believe there's no greater blessing than that. There's no greater blessing. So again, I say each man, verse 533, Ephesians 533, as we close. So again, I say each man must love his wife. As he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Last week, uh, I, I um, told y'all about Brother Francis's book, The Spirit in You. And I know y'all went out there. It was a free book and, and y'all wiped it out. There's actually more books in the Info Center. Those are free books, free pamphlets, The Spirit in You, if you want to continue to learn more about the Holy Spirit. This week, I want to encourage you. Now, these aren't free. You have to buy these. But this is the book, Love and Respect. Many of y'all have heard about this book. And it goes off of this last verse that I read. Excellent book on this subject, upon marriage, upon the roles that God has for us as a husband and wife. We have just a few copies of these in the bookstore. Uh, they're $11. This is actually one of them. There's only like five copies. So if you want a copy of this, I want to encourage you to go out to the bookstore after and do some further reading together. We've done life groups here. I'm hoping in the fall. I didn't see the fall life group lineup yet. I'm hoping that we do another one here in the fall because uh, this teaching, they have a DVD teaching on this. Excellent. If we run out of books, go online. You can Google Love and Respect. I did it this week. You'll see all the books, the DVD series and everything to further uh dive into this subject and to help you and your wife. How many of y'all would agree with me and say, hey, we can do better in our marriages, right? Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me and let's pray about this.
Come on, let's let's pray right now individually. Let, let, let's let's start with, with, with us guys. Don't you bow your head with me? Let's pray. Let's pray that the Lord helps us. Let's pray as us husbands first. Come on, we're, we're the leaders. We need to take the lead. So let's pray first for, for us and ask the Lord to help us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Gentlemen, would you mind praying with me? Come on, let's begin to pray. Father, I pray that you would help me, Lord. Start with me. Help me to love Cassie, Lord God, in that, that selfless, giving, sacrificial way. Lord, fill us as men, as husbands, with that agape love, Lord God, that, that will, will, will be, Lord God, looking to bring the best out of our wives and to evoke their beauty, Lord God, and, and to, to help them and to nourish them and to care for them. Help us to love our wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, let, let me pray for you wives and you you wives, I want you to pray as well Lord, that, that you, you, the Lord, will help you to submit to your husband in the way seeing what that word really means now. Father, I pray that you help every single wife to honor her husband, to respect her husband, Lord, in the role and the position that God has placed him in, Lord God. The responsibility of protector and comforter and provider. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give them the grace. Give them the strength, Lord. Give us all the grace and the strength to do this. Break down wrong mindsets. Break down wrong teaching, Lord God. Break, Lord God, every single lie of the enemy, Lord God. I pray that you would bring healing to marriages. Bring, Lord God, unity in marriages. May there be a continuous unity, Lord God. Come on, if you're with your wife, why don't you grab her hand right now. Let's just pray over the marriage in general right now. Father, we pray over every single marriage in this place, Father. I pray, Lord God, your grace upon grace to be upon every single married couple in here today, that you would continue to help us as husbands and wives to, to love and respect one another, to live in unity with one another each and every day, Father. We need your power, Holy Spirit. We need your leading, your guiding, and your direction, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, one more thing before we leave. I want to go back to verse 35, 32, I'm sorry. It says that this is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. This whole picture that Paul paints, he's teaching us about marriage. But he says this is a great illustration about the way our relationship should be with Christ. So let me ask you a question. How's your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? How's your relationship with him? Do you even have a relationship with the Lord? You know, it says there in verse 25 that Christ loved us so much that he gave himself for us. He gave himself on the cross. We all sin, the Bible says in Romans, and fall short of God's glorious standard. And yet the Lord gave himself up, took our place on the cross, took our, our shame, took our penalty, took the punishment we deserve for our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. He loved us again in a selfless, giving way because he wanted to be with us on this earth and in eternity. If you would bow with me one more time with every head bow and every eye closed and you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with the Lord. I don't know if I have a right relationship with the Lord, but I want to make sure today. Earlier I talked about being born again, about being saved. Maybe this is your first time in church and, and you're not even sure what that means. But you say, Brandon, I know deep down I'm not right with God and I want I want to be forgiven. I, I want to spend eternity with the Lord. I need to get right with God. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, Brandon, pray for me. I don't know if, if, how's my relationship with the Lord. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? I see your hand in the middle right there. Thank you, Lord. 
anyone else say, Brandon, I, you know, my relationship used to be good with the Lord, but I've gone away and I need to renew my, my relationship. And in a sense, I need to renew my vows with the Lord. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Brandon, I need to come back to God. I need to get right again. I'm not right. I see your hand back here. Anybody else? More hands going up. I see right here, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Come on. I want you to all pray together. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So come on, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying for me. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and that you would save me today. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to be in relationship with you. Lord, give me the grace and give me the strength to be able to do that. I love you, Lord, and I need your help today. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Yes, amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap for what he's done here today. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you prayed it again to, to recommit, there's a, there's a card in the pew in front of you. There's a green strip at the top. It says, I made a decision. Do me a favor. Fill out that card. And on your way out, you can either drop it in one of the tie boxes or in the info center. You can even bring it up to uh, us up here. Uh, we got a gift for you. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. Um, and we want to help you get started, as I said, on this journey with the Lord. Remember, on your way out, if you want, you can pick up a Love and Respect book in the bookstore. I want to encourage you to continue to try to work and strengthen in your marriage. And for those of you that are not married, I hope that this will be helpful in the future. Let me just pray over you as you go. Father, I pray your blessing. I pray your wall of protection around everyone as they drive in this weather today. I pray that you watch over them, bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Give them peace, grace, and the strength to live out what we heard today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all. We love y'all. Y'all have a wonderful rest of the day.